welcome, welcome, welcome. Howdy y'all, Andy McCabe here with Claims Delegates and the Claim Clinic Podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, hope you're doing well, hope you're surviving the current state of disaster. Um, this interview, I sat down with Andrew Saul, who specializes in business interruption claims. And as with almost everything in the major loss world, it really pays to hire your own experienced expert. Hire your own guns because you know the insurance company's going to hire theirs. So uh, you wouldn't go into court without a lawyer. Don't file a business interruption claim without an expert like Andrew Saul. Hope you all enjoyed this, and we'll see you next time. What is happening, claims world? Andy McCabe here. I am your claim doctor. I have the privilege of sitting down. Well, I'm standing up. He's sitting down with Mr. Andrew Saul. Uh, he is the business interruption guy, and we're going to talk BI today. We're going to talk uh, insurance claims. We're going to talk a little bit about a little bit of whatever comes up today. I'm going to give you a little preview of his uh, LinkedIn page. If you want to get a hold of Mr. Andrew Saul, this is where you go. LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash Andrew Saul, S-A-L-L. And uh, he's ready to help. He's ready to help you save your business because I got news for you. For every, for, for every 10 businesses that suffer a major loss, one of them survives one in 10 cash flow is the number one killer. And I'll, I'll let Andrew um, get into that a little bit. So let's do this. Andrew, how are you, man? How you doing, man? Good to see you. Wow. Good to be Good. here. Uh, why don't you give us a little, little background? How'd you come, how'd you come over into this, this world? Well, it, it's kind of a long story, but uh, I've kind give us, of give us a short not, version. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of been bouncing around in the uh, consulting world, and uh, kind of been on the uh, the island of misfit toys for a long time. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoy, you know, I, I I didn't want to be a toy maker; I wanted to be the dentist, and and for me, uh, that was kind of claims area. And, okay, uh, I've done a lot of. Uh, litigation work, but uh, I really uh, like the claims. I like the, the business interruption piece. And uh, I kind of came to that as, as um, I discovered that when I told the story, not only with the numbers, but also with the graphs and the pictures and, and writing a summary and really sitting down and interviewing the uh, business owner, uh, once I really truly understand how the business runs, uh, it was a lot easier creating uh, the documentation package, and that's essentially what it is. Right. Um, right. There is a financial model, but there's there, there's other stuff that goes along with it. And I think that um, I just viewed it as telling a story as opposed to just a financial exercise. And I think. Right. This day and age, a lot of, uh, you know, the adjuster will hire an accountant and they put the model together. For them, it's just, uh, it's just a financial exercise. They use the same model over and over and over again. and They don't really understand how the business operates. They just run the, uh, they just run the financials through and come up with an answer. And, and that's kind of it. 
And, um, you know, I, I do it a little differently. Good. Well, for those of you not watching this video, I just about set my office on fire just now. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot. I was like, I smell plastic burning. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, that lamp is no longer on. Uh, and the, yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry about that, Andrew. Is it Andrew or Andy? We, I don't, we've we've well, had a lot of conversations over the last couple of months and, and I st- I'm still not clear. I'm still, I'm generally Andy, but uh, the highway patrol seems to call me Andrew. And that's because that's all my license. So, yeah, I get the when I hear, in the cave, but yes. When I, when I hear Andrew, I snap to attention. because I know, uh-oh, That's uh, that's an official document. That's somebody that uh, is uh, officially calling my name. Yeah. So, there's, there's, uh, there's some authority there. There's some authority there. Well, you put a great post out on LinkedIn today, and I'm going to try to read part of it. Uh, and just let's just let's go with it. Let's go with it. Uh, dear right. client, we just hung up. Although you didn't think I could hear you and your wife in the background, I could. I know your net worth is tied up in the business. I know how hard you worked to build it. I know you're scared. I know the destruction of your business wasn't your fault. At least you have insurance. Is it as good as it could be? Maybe not but we have to work with what we have. Making, claim, making a claim is about documentation and momentum. I like that. I'm going to come back to that. The more you document, the higher the claim. And you have to keep the claim moving at all costs. You have two choices. Take the insurance company's adjuster's offer. Two, put forth some effort, work with professionals, and present a well-documented claim. There are pros and cons to each approach. Large percentage of businesses fail within three years of a significant loss event. One in 10 survive. So this is a critical decision. Is the current adjuster's offer enough money for you to rebuild? If not, you could face a slow bleed out over the next three years. doesn't take that long in my experience. If you choose to prepare a complete and well-documented claim, it may take longer. You can get an advanced payment, which will help with some cash flow in the meantime. As long as the claim momentum is maintained, the time difference won't be much. What's the difference in the payment amounts between the choices? Often it is very significant. Talk to me about that. Let's talk about the insurance company uh, and let's, let's keep it to the business interruption side. I, I can talk forever on the property side yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm yeah, sure I've, yeah. I've killed, uh, I've beat several dead horses. Uh, so on the BI side, talk to me about what the insurance company adjuster usually comes with. They look at this very simply, and let me just back up and kind of explain in simple terms what a, what a BI claim is. Um, think of three columns. The first column is your forecast, what you expect to make had your you know restaurant, factory, whatever, not been burned down. So what you expect to do. The second column is what you actually did. If your business has been completely shut down, that's a zero. And then you subtract what you thought you would do. You subtract out what you actually did. And the third column is essentially the lost business, the, the lost revenue, the business interruption. How much so of that's this kind will, of how it's calculated. How much of this will an adjuster do for a business? Well, the adjuster will hire an accountant to, to 
come in and do the calculation. Okay. The adjuster won't touch this with a 10 foot ball. Because they're not qualified or they got better things to do? Probably a little bit of both. Um, probably a little bit of both. Not, not a lot of adjusters are real financial people. Right. So um, what, what I always notice is a business owner has a very good idea of what their loss is. They yes. know their numbers. They know their expenses. They know everything. And um, they have a very good estimate of what that number should be. So do they, usually what do they know their numbers? I uh, think they're, I, I think they're very good at their numbers because what happens is if they allow the adjuster to, to do the model for the first, you know, cut at it, they come in with a number and the business owner looks at that and says, that's not right. You're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. You're not thinking about this. You're not thinking about that. Um, basically, all the action is in the forecast. That's okay. where all the action's at. Because it's that forecast that you're subtracting the actual from to get the loss. So, a, you know, sometimes they cherry pick the time frame. They look at it and say, well, you know, we got to throw out this month and that month and whatever. Um, what are what are the some of the things adjusters will pick at to to reduce that BI claim? Oh, let's see, the time period for the forecast. Mm-hmm. Um, they will also say that uh, somehow um, that there's makeup involved. Makeup. Somehow... I mean, you've said that several times in our in our conversation. So, what is what is makeup besides that stuff my wife puts on her face? <laughs> makeup is uh, when they claim that uh, you you don't have a loss because although this is the restaurant here that we're looking at that had the loss, you've got one, you know, eight miles away that is showing an increase in sales. So the people are somehow driving from this Chick-fil-A eight miles away across town to eat at that one, even though they're like 12 (laughs) between here and there, somehow they're saying that the sales at that other restaurant are increasing because your one location here is, uh, has been damaged. Why are, why are in, in, you know, you can tell me they're not, and I don't think they are, but why are the numbers and the sales at a different location uh, on the book, I mean, why, why are they, why are they even part of the conversation? They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Okay. So this is, no, no. this is a carrier's technique to try right. to limit their exposure. And they talk you into, well, I want to, I don't want to just see your stores numbers. I want to see all your numbers. I need to see all your books. And that's, that's the type, type of game they're playing. Right there. Exactly. And see, that's, that's where, okay, let me, uh, Get out my soapbox here. <laughs> Please do. Uh, okay. This this is the venue. So, so, <laughs> so uh, what 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 happens is um, a lot of times when there is a loss, a business owner will allow the adjuster and the accountant to kind of do their thing, and then when they don't like it, they may discover that they have options. They may realize that in their policy they can 
you know, uh, they have the claims preparation coverage or something, and they can go out and hire somebody like me to come in and help them through the business interruption claim. And um, when they do that, it, it's kind of after the fact. What they should do the minute something goes down, that's kind of what I was saying about war game your claim, right? Okay. Pretend that you're going to have a claim and think about what's in your policy and how you're going to respond. And are you going to hire somebody to help you? Are you not? And the reason that's important is if I come in early, I meet with a business owner. I understand how everything works, how, how the business actually operates. And then I'm very controlling. I'm a type A person. So I look at the business owner and I say, okay, everything goes through me. Do not send one piece of paper to the adjuster. Do not talk to the adjuster without me there, either on the call or in person. Very much, very much like a public adjuster, yes. And the reason for doing that is, as you mentioned, they're going to ask for, oh, let me, you own more than one Chick-fil-A? Let me see the financials for the other one. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, that one's fine. It it didn't burn down. What do you need to see that for? It's not relevant. And so they'll ask for all this information because one, it'll keep their accountant busy and they can, you know, bill a few more hours and look through all that stuff. And, you know, then they're also looking for a way to try and to try and make the claim a little bit smaller. They they'll, you know, like I said, they cherry pick the time frame sometimes. They they try to claim makeup. Um, and then they'll look at expenses and you have, you know, if it's a gross earnings policy. Gross earnings is kind of like gross margin. So that's kind of like direct expenses. So then any saved expenses, this is the other game. Any saved expenses, you'd have to add back in a gross earnings. Save, Save. S-A-F-E. No, S-A-V-E-D, save. Save expenses. What is is that? A, A saved expense is like an expense you didn't incur because you were down. So let's say your electricity is cut off. So you have to give credit back to the insurer for that. And that's fine. But sometimes they start uh, playing games with how some of these things are calculated. Some of them are pretty obvious, but others of them aren't. You know, like, um, yeah, you may not have electricity, but then the electricity comes back on because they need it in order to rebuild. So yeah, um, actually, they might be using even more electricity sometimes. You know, right. it, it's just kind of, you know, what they look at. And and a lot of times, this stuff really shouldn't be that complicated. I mean, when you start getting into, um, you know, they start, uh, they start making a big deal about depreciation, or they start looking at some of this stuff. Yeah, in some instances, it can, it can matter. But a lot of times it's, it's not really that big a deal. And I don't know why some of these issues they spend so much time on, for example, in your average BI, let's say it's a restaurant or or a restaurant. I'm just picking that one up today. Um, Your, your biggest costs are your labor and your food. That's going to be 60% to 70% of everything right there. So when you start looking at that and then you start playing games with saved electricity and water expenses and all that, that's, 
de minimis. That's mm. real small numbers. So why are you making a big deal about this? The, all the money's in the, the labor and the food. And, um, you know, and then you, you have different businesses. One of my favorites was this airport claim that we did. Well, <laughs> the airport makes all its money in selling fuel. That's mm. where all the action is. And uh, if you don't understand that and you, you kind of model it in a different way, you can get some really wild results. But I mean, that's the point. You have to understand how the business operates and how they make the money. How they make and once money. you do that, yeah, it's not, it's not too hard to, to uh, you know, model these things out. Um, a big part of it, though, is you have to make sure that the adjuster understands how this business operates. Um, like. Um, hospitals i mean <laughs> that's also been another interesting it's, that's uh, a complicated machine right there there's a lot of moving it can parts. be very it, it can be very complicated i've done a number of those and um you know it, it's uh you know they have different codes for every different procedure you can kind of see what happens with the revenue but then again in a given month if you have some sort of very strange stroke patient or something like that, the, the cost can be really high and maybe that's aligned with the reimbursement. I mean, hospitals can be very, very complicated. But so, um, so what I'm hearing is you can't just, you just can't take that bottom line or the top line revenue and, and, and play that out over the last period and, and start writing checks. Well, that's where you start. Okay. I mean, that's where you start, but you have to dig into it a little more and see kind of what's going on. I mean, your revenue in a hospital can really get whacked out depending on, you know, what's going on, what type of patients you have in there, the patient mix, the reimbursement rate changes, all that. That, you know, that can get very complicated. With a restaurant, it's a little more simple. A grocery store is a little more simple. A, a uh, you know, airport, that's... Uh, that's fairly uh, predictable. But then again, you know, a big plane takes a lot more fuel than a little plane. So you can't just look at flights. You know, you've got to look at, you know, how big the planes are, what, what kind of fuel they're buying. Um, so, so, but isn't, what I'm hearing is, is a lot of looking forward and in anticipation. My understanding of, of BI was always backwards facing, No. Well, the backward facing is what you use to forecast. Okay. okay? So, for example, this is this is one thing. Um, oh, and I've got another good story right. Uh, one one good thing is um, when people do their budgets, this is a critical document. Um, if you do a very realistic budget, that's can be a very good and defensible forecast for your BI, okay. you know? So if you uh, do a budget that's really low ball, let's say it's a corporate environment and you do a, a low ball budget for your location because you want to make sure that you exceed it and everybody gets a bonus or something, right? That low ball budget can come back to haunt you because they're going to say, well, I want to see your budget for that location that you did last year. And if the numbers are really low and then you're forecasting, you know, a very reasonable 
uh, forecast based on your history, they're going to say, well, which can, one of these is correct? You can look like you're patting the stats. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's inconsistent. So, um, I mean, I did some work uh, during that uh, Deepwater Horizon. Remember that? Uh, oh, yeah. That big uh, blowout that in the Gulf. Flaming ball of oil in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For well, and, how many um, was it? Ninety days that thing was burning. Something oh like God, that? it was it was it was on fire for quite a while. Um, and and uh, the interesting thing about that was BP was paying anybody and everybody if they could make a claim. Now the problem that some of these fishermen had was it's a cash business, right? Yeah, so they don't, they they don't know. Way, they don't forecast. They don't budget. They just go out and catch fish. No, and they were way under reporting their catches on their income taxes. And so <laughs> BP would Coming say, Yeah, we'll, we'll pay you. Show show us show us your taxes and we'll, we'll pay you that. We'll pay based and on that. Were, and then there were some people that uh, um this was interesting. Some of these people had um uh they were reporting their catches that were greater than the capacity for their boats to hold it. Like uh, they were, yeah. <laughs> when you took the dollars that they were reporting and that the market value, the fish or the shrimp or whatever, and then you backed into how many pounds that was, it's like, you can't even put that on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> how many, how many times did numbers? you go out and get that catch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I mean, eh, you've got to be, fairly uh realistic and reasonable in, in what you're forecasting because um you know you don't want to lose all credibility and, you, and that's, what, make that's, what it, that's what life comes down to um i you know multiple times a day sometimes we get in situations where we have a choice uh to tell the truth and be transparent or or fudge and you know it's it's always better to tell the truth fudging will always catch up to you it's just it's just putting bad stuff out there for the universe to collect and then spit back in your face when i don't know your your building burns down um you mentioned uh a gross earnings policy why don't you talk to me about what different types of policies are there for business interruption i mean it's it's the same policy it's a business policy but i mean in business bi do you see bi as a standalone policy or is it part of a part of a bigger no no bi is is uh part of the, the property okay. policy yeah, yeah yeah and and the whole idea is it's like aflac for your business when your business is sick and it can't work you know this is the the uh, money that's supposed to help you uh continue to uh cover expenses and things. And okay. Okay. In, in, in the U S generally uh, a gross earnings policy is the most common. And that's very similar to gross margin. Not okay. exactly, but it's, it's very similar to that. So it's direct, you know, it's revenue less direct expenses for the most part. Um, although recently I did see a net income policy, which is kind of odd. Ooh. Uh, yeah. That, that is kind of odd, but um you know, so it, it just kind of depends on uh, what the policy is. Oh, and another thing, you know how every year you're supposed to do your BI worksheet to calculate what your no. BI exposure is? You're supposed to do that every year. Well, and uh, that, that a must lot be of something, the, something other than sole proprietors. 
<laughs> well, well, um, a lot of these uh, brokers complain because you know their their clients never give them the, the the information they need, and everybody blows it off, and nobody ever takes it seriously, and things like that. That can also come back to haunt you later on if you have a gigantic loss uh, and you show your five years of revenue and your forecast and everything and you and you look at the numbers and the numbers are way huge i mean just like a factor of five to seven over what you're reporting on your bi worksheet your insurance carrier isn't going to be too happy because they're saying hey wait a minute you know you're giving me these numbers and saying that your BI exposure is X and it's like seven times X. Well, they, they could they deny can all that. Yeah. They, they could deny your whole claim based on that. Yeah, they can. They because probably it's, could. Yeah. It's uh, you, you got the policy under false pretenses at that point. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I just, that's, uh, that'd be my concern. That would be my concern. Um, what, what type of, you know, I'm used to, I'm coming from the property side, obviously, you know that. Uh, so yeah. I'm used to uh, additional living expenses. That's my, that's the BI of the, of the, uh, you know, the personal, the, the homeowner side is, is, is additional ALE. Uh, how similar is ALE to business interruption? And do you see limits, uh, you know, for instance, I've got, you know, I've got a client who had 60,000 in, in uh, additional living expenses coverage, uh, but it didn't even last three months. Um, it wasn't enough because, well, the, not to go too far down a different rabbit hole, but the ALE solutions, the you know the 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 people that that do these things for the insurance company, put her in a hotel to the tune of four hundred and seventy five dollars a night, um, and just burned her just just burned her and and now she's she's living in a trailer on her property um with no LA, ale left it's gone it's exhausted so do you see something similar on the bi side that you don't have enough coverage uh for the loss at hand well okay uh this is there's there's a lot to talk about here first ale i kind of view that as an extra expense okay. that's an expense that you wouldn't have incurred except for the fact that whatever happened, happened. Right. So uh, that, that kind of stuff is like dollar for dollar. That's you spend it, you incur the expense, you get to recoup all of it. Uh, with business interruption, um, they subtract out, you know, continuing expenses and they add back discontinuing expenses. So there's a little bit of an adjustment there. But in terms of having the appropriate amount of business interruption coverage, this is where if you get your insurance wrong, it's basically useless, okay? It's because basically what? If you, useless. If you yeah. buy very little business interruption coverage, and it's, you know, generally the period of indemnity is a year. They generally give you a year to get the property restored and then to build your revenue back up to where it was before. I mean, that's the most common uh, scenario that I've seen, but if you are grossly under insuring your, your, your BI, 
you're going to have a problem because like you said, they may just look at it and say, you way underpaid, your premiums are way too low, this is fraudulent, we're not going to pay it at all. Or um, if, you, if you're, I don't know, even 10 to 15% below, um, you could still, um, if your limits aren't high enough, you could still really run into trouble. And I mean, that's, that's a risk because if you run into trouble and you don't have that cash flow, how are you going to rebuild? You know, in, insurance is really a tool and you've got to be, you've got to make sure that you have the right tool and you've also got to be skilled in its use. But we've so, got, but we've got insurance agents making these essentially what should be underwriting decisions. Uh, you know, people are just looking at their agent. Well, how much do I need? And the agent goes, eh, puts a finger in the air. You need X, you know, you need, I don't know, you need 200,000, you know, or, or whatever that is, but agents aren't, aren't accountants either. So that's a tricky situation. And well, that comes back is, to, you've got to be an informed consumer at that point. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, your insurance policy is like a life jacket, right? And, and if you don't buy if I bought an infant life jacket and I jumped off the ship in the middle of the ocean, guess what? It's not going to keep me afloat. You're gone. Son. I mean, it's just not, <laughs> I'm done. Right. So I think that, you know, an insurance insurance agent makes his or her income on a commission. Yep. Okay. So they want to make the sale. And then they want to make another sale to somebody else. And what they're betting on is that in any given year, your chance of having a significant loss is pretty low. So they're not really focused on that, not really worried on that. If, if you don't have the right coverage, it's not going to be a big deal this year, as mm. long as you don't have a loss. So there are companies that go many, many, many years and they never have a problem. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden insurance doesn't matter until it does. And then they look at it and they go, oh my God, what am I going to do? And the agent's like, yeah, what are you going to do? And it's like, that's the problem. I mean, it's not sexy. It's not. Uh, people don't get excited about it, but it really is important. Yeah. And, um, well, and, and it's, it's one of those things that we don't think about and, and we actually put off doing things about it. I, I don't, you know, I'm hesitant to say this live on Facebook, but I don't have a BI Paul or a, 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 a BOP policy in place currently. So I've got $30,000 worth of gear behind me. Something happens in this place right here. I got, you know, I can use my personal home insurance for about 10 grand <laughs> because they, they'll give me home, home office coverage for 10 grand. I am wide open right now and I'm shopping. I'm, I'm currently shopping, but it's not something I want to do. I've got to pull out, I've got to make a spreadsheet of serial numbers and when I bought it and how much it's worth. And I got to do all this busy work and it's just, I mean, it's not hard, but it's a pain in the ass. Um, Yep. So that's why people don't pay attention to it. 
but you do it once. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think though that like, I mean, if you're talking like your office or your home or something like that, I think a good thing to do is to just go through now that everybody's got, you know, these video cameras in their phones, just go through and, and video record entire rooms. I mean, yeah. that's a great, a great way to do it. Um, and I think too, though, for businesses, after you've had a loss, um, you know, to video, what does mm -hmm. it look like? What happened? And don't throw anything out. Yeah. Don't throw anything out until the adjusters come. I mean, unless you're like a fishmonger or something and, you know, <laughs> then maybe you just video it. But I mean, I, I, I think that people don't spend enough time thinking about the unthinkable. What's going to happen if. Well, the, the psychology is it, it will not happen to me. That's the psychology. It, it'll have, it's always, it's going to be somebody else. Even Normal when a hurricane, bias. when a hurricane right. is bearing down on a town, um, oh, well that, you know, somebody, my neighbors will, will suffer a loss. I'm going to skate free. We, we have this unrealistic optim, uh, uh, um, yeah, optimism, unrealistic yeah. optimism about right. what our real risks are. Um, and most of us are taking more risk every day than we realize. That's what I, I think. Oh, and it's, it's don't, uh, I can't go down this rabbit hole, but I mean, it's, it's like, it's like I do risk for a business, right? So I look at all this stuff and I think you get in your car every day. That's a huge risk right there. Yep. Okay. That's a huge risk. And we all take it knowingly and happily and willingly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, on a daily basis, this, okay, you know, I, I train martial arts. I, I told you a little bit about that. This is the biggest risk that we have. Mm. Um, in a post I wrote, I, I took my son up to college, up to UT in Austin. And I wrote a post about it, I think on Monday, just kind of a fun little thing about what I learned and uh, putting uh, Ikea furniture together and everything. But one of the things I saw that totally shocked me, okay, we have these young children and we teach them to look both ways when they cross the street, okay? You get anywhere near a college campus and they are walking around looking at this Face crossing down. the street mm -hmm. without looking both ways. It was like, holy crap. I mean, so, so, I mean, you're right about the risk. I think people underestimate uh the very real risks and they overestimate i mean look at shark week what i mean if you don't want to get bit by a shark don't go in the ocean i mean it's completely preventable right but even the odds of a shark attack are are just so small they're so small right so i mean if, if you're going to buy shark attack insurance it shouldn't be more than 40 cents for the week you know, uh, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, I think you, the way I look at things, I, I look at things and I say, what do I absolutely have to have? Mm -hmm. And for me, the house is a big one, Okay. Um, I want to make sure that that I live, I live in Houston, so I'm in hurricane alley, right? 
So for me, I have to have the house. And the, the one thing I look for is my windstorm deductible. Mm-hmm. I like that to be 1%. I don't want it to be higher than that. And if you shop around and you get the right coverage, you can keep it to 1%. And that's a great policy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's my biggest risk, I think, is a hurricane. Yeah, your house can burn down. <laughs> Actually, during Katrina, <laughs> there was a, <laughs> a house that had been hit by the hurricane that was on fire. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, there's a name for that. They're called flood fires. And that's really, my I, I just saw that no, and I thought, oh my no, God, that's, how did uh, that you happen? Don't, you don't have flood insurance, but lo and behold, I had a fire. That's uh, my good friend, David Herring calls it flood fires and it's a real thing. It, yeah. Uh, oh um, yeah. I yeah. see, I see him a lot. Yeah. The flood fire. Yeah. <laughs> saw a couple of those and I'm like, how the hell does that happen? But um, no, I think, I think people totally, totally miss out on the whole risk thing. And, um, you know, the risk with insurance is if you get it wrong, it's essentially useless. Because think about it. Yep. If you're horribly underinsured, you're spending a bunch of money on this policy, which if you ever have to use it, it it's not going to put you back where you belong. So, I mean, sorry for using that, but um, you're not. You, you can't rebuild. So you get a fraction of what you need and you spent this money. So what happens? Hmm. You, you're done. Yeah, your business you're done. is done. You're, you're taking I, cash and, and you're, you're leaving. You're, you're finding a real job. That's what you're doing. Yep. And, and I, I, I do. Um, I mean, I like this work because I, I feel that people need help in dealing with insurance. I mean, I've done God, I don't know how many claims you use the same, right? This is what we do, but for most people, hopefully they will only have one of these in their lifetime. We don't get repeat business. I mean, at least we shouldn't. I mean, unless you've got like Walmart as a client and, you right, know, there's always right. something happening. At one or of Chick-fil-A. Let's, if you're listening, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I, I know a Chick-fil-A. guy. <laughs> I, I, it depends on how many of those you own. I, I think they're limited to two, two stores. I think. You oh, really? Yeah, I do. But um, the, the McDonald's yeah. model is you, if you, you start making money at 10 and you start making real money at 15. Well, that's that's a different deal. But, um, you know, these people, they may only have one big claim in their lifetime. And it's like, can you imagine trying to run a business and then do one of these nasty claims? I mean, that's a recipe for just complete. I mean, the insurance company is going to factor their own claim. They're going to come in and pay you 20% less. Mm. And you're looking at it going, because well, they, how am I going to do Because this? they think you, you're desperate enough, uh, you're going to take it. And, or and if, you don't know, you don't know what you're, you're see, I, yeah. this is where I think it, this, okay, I've done a lot of thinking on this. And, and where I think it all begins is the adjuster Hmm. what the role of the adjuster is to be the eyes and ears of the insurance company okay Okay. that's really what the role is Mm -hmm. so i understand that 
And I think that's good. That's what they, that's, that's what they do. But who pays them? And you can have an adjuster that says, I'm a company adjuster. I'm Chubb. Chubb pays me. I work for Chubb. I'm Chubby. I'm the Chubb adjuster. Okay. So you come in and you know exactly what you're dealing with. If you don't like what the Chubb guy says, we say, well, of course, Chubb's paying him. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to the quote, what are they called? The independent adjuster that works for an independent adjusting company. These companies have may have gigantic contracts with Chubb or AIG, Lexington, whatever. Sure. And the reason they have those contracts is because AIG and uh, farmers and all these people, they don't want to maintain huge stables of adjusters. Yeah. So they outsource it. They're outsourced. But when they come in and say, I'm an independent adjuster, you say, oh, that's great. So you work for this independent adjusting company. So who pays your company? Oh, well, we our, our major contracts are Chubb, Allstate, Lexington. And it's like, okay, so if they disclose that, don't you think the policyholder would all of a sudden start thinking, wait a minute, you're saying that you're independent, but your company is contracted to represent the carry. So it gets a little more, a little obtuse there. And I think a lot of times people are kind of lulled into, okay, well, go ahead and write up my claim and let's see where it comes to. And I'm not saying these people are dishonest because they're not, but a lot of times they're under pressure. They have to do so many in a day. They can't take the time to calculate how many galvanized nails are going to go into that roof and all the other stuff that goes into it. And they kind of eyeball it and whatever. And they forget a lot of stuff, uh, overhead and profit margin. I don't think they forget. It's a, okay, function well, of, maybe it's a function of time. It's how much time I'm gonna, yeah. am I going to dedicate to this claim? Because uh, in a cat situation, at least, I've yep, got to yep, see yep. five to 10 more today. Yes. And uh, I've got to get that estimate done and out the door tomorrow. And there's just not enough time to do uh, the due diligence that, that most yep. claims need. I think that'd be different on the, on the business, the business interruption side, because that's just that's a slower process. That's not a, that's a, that's not a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am um, situation. You've got to do some deeper analysis, but I think there's an That's endemic true. problem with the entire industry of, of people. They're, they're of two, two minds. One is, well, they're my insurance company, so they're going to take care of me. And, and they just go along for the ride. And the second the second type of person is, they know intuitively right out of the gate, their insurance company is not there to take care of them. Uh, those are my favorite because they understand yeah. that they have to, they have to do their own claim. They have to take responsibility for their claim. Everyone else that doesn't refuses to take responsibility for their claim. I can't help. I cannot help somebody that has that mentality. Well, the, the, the way I look at it is, um, I don't know if it happens where you are, but we see all these personal grocery shoppers in the store, okay? People are paying for convenience. Have you seen that? Yes. yes. Okay. So personally, I, I don't do that 
because I don't like them picking up the apples and the grapes that fall on the ground and putting them into the bin, you know, for somebody's, you know, I, I, I like to make sure that my bananas aren't all bruised and that my apples haven't been rolling around on the grocery store floor. So I like to do that myself. I like to pick up my meat. I, I, I know what I like. So a lot of people pay for that. And that's convenience. People pay for convenience. And I think what you're talking about is in the insurance world, when you just sit back and let the adjuster write it out, you're paying for convenience. Now, if you had a loss, you're going to get money. So you're going to get paid no matter what. It's, and, and you don't have any way of knowing how much you're overpaying for that convenience. Exactly. And that's where I think the problem That's what I think the problem is. And I think that, you know, I don't necessarily take the approach that these companies are evil and this and that and the other. I I think they're just a little bit detached and they they have to get a lot of stuff out in a short period of time, especially like you said, in the cat situation. And um, I I think that people just have to realize you are responsible. It's your money. You paid the premium. The insurance company, this is the way I like to explain it. They have temporary custody of the premium. So, I mean, if you step back and you look at it, they have a guaranteed profit in your claim because it's called a deductible. Mm -hmm. If you have a, you know, $3 million loss, but you have a $100,000 deductible, what that means is <laughs> you're not going to get the full $3 million. You're going to get the $2,900,000. The $100,000 stays with the insurance company. So right there, that's built-in profit. The other thing that they have going for them is they take your premium and they invest it. Sure. And hopefully they're pretty good at their investments. And I think most of these insurance companies are very good at investing that money. So they earn a return on it. So when you have a claim, when you have an accident, when you have a reason to request your money back, it's your money. They got to hold it. They got to earn a return on that money, which is a profit. And they also get the deductible, which is a profit. So you need to make sure that you are getting what you are owed with respect to your claim. Well, I, it's, for me, it's not, it's not much of a, it's not so much custody. It's, it's more like a lease. Uh, You're making your lease payments uh, because you don't get that, that lease payment doesn't provide value to you. Doesn't add, doesn't add up. Like you can't take all the premiums you've paid over the years and say, Hey, you know, give me some of that back. That's at, you know, once that policy period is, is over next year, the premiums you paid are gone. That the insurance company has that, that, that is theirs. What you've done is you've had a lease, an option uh, to have a claim. Yeah. Yeah. You have an option yeah. to have a claim um, and, and that, and everything that that entails but that is not your money anymore. It's not a whole life policy where it's building value for you. It's building value for the insurance company. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You're right. That's a better way of looking at it. 
but I, I just, um, well, how can we, how can we make people more aware of what's going on? That, that's where I think, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed um, learning because if, if I ever have, if my house gets blown over in a hurricane this year, you know, I never really knew that much about public adjusting because mm -hmm. I never really interfaced with them. I never really used them. And in the corporate insurance world or whatever, they have a, a kind of a bad rep, you know, hey, they're cowboys that are out there. They're going to steal, you know, as much of your claim as they can, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, knowing what I know now, I would definitely, because I have a replacement cost policy on my house, I would make sure that I have somebody like you mm -hmm. to go through and calculate the cost of every single galvanized nail and how much the lumber is going to cost and all of the profit and overhead and everything that goes into that claim, because I don't want to get to the end of it and find out, guess what? They shorted me by a hundred K, you know, mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can't, I you know, one of my kids is living in the garage because we can't finish the, the, we can't build that last bedroom, something right. like that, you know? I mean, so, so I think that I'm much, um, much more aware of how this stuff works. Um, you know, I've, I've always been doing the commercial work, but I just, I don't, I really wish people were more aware of what their options are. I mean, yeah. it, it's all in the policy. It's all in the policy. And I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I don't read my policy. But when something happens, I look at it. And I do have a very good personal um, insurance agent. But I just, all the answers are in there. And if you're not going to read it, well, then have somebody that you pay to read it and know what's in there and can advise you because it's all in there. I agree. I agree. And the adjuster, the adjuster isn't going to come to you and say, Hey, don't forget to add the, <laughs> don't forget to add this. <laughs> don't forget to add that. And your employees no. were out there no, working, working, for a, working for a week and, and doing the debris removal and all that kind of stuff. Oh, don't forget to add their wages into the claim. I'm no. not going to tell you that. It's not, it's not in their best interest. It's they don't, no. they're not incentivized to do that. Um, yeah. And, and, and you mentioned, you said something about evil and, and, and bad people. And I, I, I agree. I don't think they're evil. What I do think is it's a natural extension of a 400 year old uh, capitalistic business model. And it has been refined and, and evolved and, and, for 400 years, insurance companies have been figuring out how to get that next dollar out of these premiums. And they're very, very good at it. Um, you, you just had a claim and it's your first claim of your whole life. They've had millions over 400 years of experience of, of making money for themselves. It's, it's just a purely capitalistic situation. And it is definitely nothing personal. There's no evil involved. No. It's just sheer capitalism. And capitalism doesn't it, give it, a fuck. It just wants it, money. It, well, it's self-interest. 
I mean, that's what what makes, it's all self-interest. And I think where it gets a little short-circuited is um, I think a lot of times policyholders don't realize whose side everybody's on. They don't know who's paid by whom. And we're not wearing jerseys. And I think that, I think that's the first thing is you have to know who's paying whom. Yeah. Who's, um, who's getting their bread buttered by whom? And yeah. that will tell and you where their, where, where's your alliance? That's where, where their loyalties lie. That's why and I'm so, so anti-TPA. And, and my good clients understand that with the insurance companies recommending TPA vendor, you know, XYZ, there's a reason they're being recommended. It's not because they do high quality work. And I'll, you know, serve pro service master. I'll tell you that right now. And you, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to say, yeah, we don't work for the homeowner. We work for the TPA because that's where our bread's buttered. Yeah. You so, hate so, mail now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, but I mean, that, that's the whole thing. When, when you're going into a situation like that, you have to look at who's paid by whom. The IRS agent is paid by the IRS. If you let the IRS do your taxes, that IRS agent's number is going to be very different than the number of the person that you're paying to do your taxes. Because anytime there's a, there's a questionable item or a judgment call or whatever, they're always going to sway to the side of the person or the yep. company. Yep. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's capitalism. So I think really what we're facing is um, the, the the insurance industry and the way capitalism works within it is not understood by the policyholders. No, they they don't understand that at all, and I think that's a problem because well, if they knew that, then there wouldn't be any problem. They'd say, okay, well I'm going to go get somebody to represent me. It's like when you go into court. The, the other person's lawyer isn't going to help you. No, no. They've got a job to do and it's not for you. They don't work for exactly. you. Exactly. It's like they, 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 they hand out, I mean, they, they, you pay your premium, they send you your declarations page and your, your policy and, and they send you another box with a pair of rose colored glasses. Uh, and then every year at the Super Bowl. They start handing out rose-colored glasses. We're here for you. We're on your side. We're like a good neighbor. We have these cute the, commercials. The hands on the, on the, the neck. Hands. The, Here's the an ostrich. Boat. We have no idea what the ostrich is saying, but it's cute. That's so I emu. think I'm emu. being taken care of. Oh, it's an emu. That's right. It's not an yeah. ostrich. It's, it's, all, it's all mind games. It's, it's, it's propaganda. And people, you either believe the propaganda or see through it. And I think there's there's just a clear divide in, in society of of two different people. People in business have a have a different mind about it, and they understand it's a money. It's just a pure money game. And and you know my clients understand they're going to spend money to make money. You know they're going to give me ten percent of the claim, but the claim with me is going to be fifty percent higher than it was. You know if they were to just go with whatever the insurance company gave them, and that's just. Yeah. And that goes with everything. So let's, let's wrap this up. We've gone a little long. Tell me about what, what makes a good client for you? What, who do you like to work for? I love to work for uh, business owners that, that get it. 
that understand, um, hey, I need help, that are willing to ask for help. I know my business. I know how my business runs. I don't know how to tell that story mm. to the accountant and the adjuster. And a lot of times, um, these are businesses that they can be franchises. They can be uh, businesses that have been extremely successful and grown. Some of them can be quite large, actually. But the ideal client is the one that knows and will admit, I don't know how to put a claim together. Right. Yeah. That's who I like to work with. 100%. Yeah. There's, there's a reason Michael Jordan had a personal trainer, you know, he had a, he had multiple coaches. Um, yeah, it, it, you, you name the famous successful person, they hired, uh, their shortcomings. And for the vast majority of, of the insured public, their shortcoming is having a claim. They don't know claims. We do. We know claims. And, yep. and, the, and the intelligent, I hesitate to, you, let me back that up. Let me take that back. The, the more realistic people have an understanding of where their strong points are and, and where they're weak. Um, and they hire their, their, they hire out their weaknesses so they can, you know, you can have an incredibly successful business. That just means you're really good at what you do, but what you do does not include uh, putting these numbers together on a spreadsheet for insurance no. claims. No, so. no. And, and, and yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think um, it, it's really, um, and, and it's always worth getting the help. I have never had a situation where I come in and I'm like, well, golly gee, that was, they really did a good claim there. I'm going <laughs> to charge you a bunch of money and, I can't get you much more than an extra 500 bucks. Sorry. And then you send them a big old bill. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen. No, no. And if it did, if it did see, this is the beauty of it. You, you can sit down. Hopefully you get involved before they get the accountant and the adjuster. But if you don't, and they, they put a claim together and you sit down and you talk to the business owner and you're like, okay, where did they go wrong? What's wrong with this? Do you like this number or not? Usually the only reason they're, they're calling you up is because they don't like the number and they don't like the way they put the claim together because they don't understand how the business operates. It's, 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 you know, when people hire you, they're like, well, how much bigger is it going to be? It's like, well, I don't know. I can't give you that answer right now, but if it wasn't going to be bigger, if you like this number, why, why did you call yeah. You don't like that number. Yeah. So there's you, something wrong with it. If your heart of hearts told you that that was a good number, why are you calling me? Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Said no one ever. It's, it's, <laughs> it's across the board. It's across the board. Well, Andy, it's been great. I'm looking forward to our continued business relationships moving forward. Uh, let's get into some trouble. Let's, let's get out of some trouble. <laughs> um, but it, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, parting words, parting, I'll give you the last word. Uh, that's what we do here. So what, what do you need? Uh, what would you like everyone to hear? I would like everyone to hear that when you have a question, reach out and ask, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. 
because um, there are plenty of people out there that can help. And I mean, quite honestly, I, I dig doing this stuff. You know, yeah. I like uh, helping people out and coming up with a, with, with a good result. So, you know, just reach out. You have questions, reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Once again, awesome having you. You guys take care of yourselves. You know how to get a hold of Andrew, Andrew Saul, S-A-L-L on, on the interwebs on LinkedIn. Uh, you can do the same with me, but I'm going to have all my links down here somewhere. Take care, y'all. <laughs>